Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. And I'm going to read from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. And it says this, Paul speaking, he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, or in the original, concerning spirituals, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another various kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. All these, verse 11 says are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. Now, back in the 90s when I was first asked to preach, uh, to be honest with you, I was absolutely petrified. You wouldn't think that today. But at the time, being a pastor's kid, being raised in the church, I was doing an internship, I was studying full-time at Bible college, and it came my turn on the roster to preach. And to be honest with you, I was so scared, I organized a guest preacher to come and take my place. <laughs> and uh, I did all I could to get out of this assignment. In fact, I am a reluctant prophet preacher. I'm Jonah. I'm running in the opposite direction. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? It's like, I I just didn't think that God had my, you know, professional athletic career in in mind for me. You know what I mean? So I thought I had to try and control that, make that happen. I did, you know, tried to get sponsorship. The best I got was a t-shirt and a cap from Puma. True story. Right, I was a, a state-level athlete, and and so uh, you know I was a, a going to represent Puma at the track, and everybody knows that you know Puma's last on the rung, if you know what I mean, and maybe Kanye West may be going to Puma now, but um and so and and so I was like you know Lord, uh, I'm not sure I can trust you with my future and my life, and so I was really reluctant to actually entrust my life uh, to an all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere present God. I mean when you think about it logically it's crazy but but that's where I was at and I thought you know God was going to make me do things I didn't want to do and he made me did what I didn't want to do but now I do want to do it and it's amazing when you just walk with him and get to know him and and you not only become more like him but he gives you the desires of his heart in your heart you know that passage that says delight yourself in the Lord he'll give you the desires of your heart that doesn't mean whatever desire comes up in your flesh he's going to give you if you just like, you know, lift your hand at half mast in worship and just, you know, wink at him every now and then and tip him. All right. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart is about you being so one with him in intimacy. 
that as you walk with him and as you talk with him and as you relate to him and as you're intimate with him, what you find is he puts his desires in your heart. And as those desires come out of your mouth and come out of your life, as you delight in relationship with him, he says, yep, that desire is my will. I'm going to give you the desire of your heart because I put that there. And so for me, I really struggle with this concept. But what I came to understand is that what God appoints you to, he anoints you for. With every appointing in the kingdom, there is an anointing. What did Jesus say in Isaiah 61? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to do something, to preach the gospel, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, to declare liberty to those who are bound, to open uh, blind eyes. And, and He reads His job description. With every appointment in the kingdom of God, there is an anointing. God doesn't call you to something and leave out the grace that you need. So if God puts something on your heart and calls you to something, you're not to immediately withdraw to your inadequacies. It's never been about whether you're adequate or inadequate. It's about He's always sufficient. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. We're all inadequate. We're, we're, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory. Without, a, without a, a Savior, we're all lost. We're all broken. We're all hopeless. We're all dying in sin and separated from God. But because of Jesus, but by grace, we are who we are. And we've been uh, chosen by God, brought into covenant relationship with Him. God doesn't call you to something and leave out the grace that you need. Moses was called to be a deliverer. And so God graced him with the capacity to move in signs and wonders. David was called to be king. So God gave him an anointing of leadership. Esther was called to be a, que a queen. And, I, and in order to fulfill that function and represent God's people to the king, she needed a gift of faith. Uh, you read about Elijah. Elijah was called to be a prophet. Well, God gave him the grace of words of knowledge and prophetic anointing and grace to be able to foresee and foretell of what was to come. The Bible says in Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. They are without repentance. And so too many believers sit on the sidelines of life expecting the pastor or the dude with the microphone to win the world on their behalf. And it's almost like, you know, yeah, we'll give to God, but we expect the professionals to actually go and win the world. That's not only unbiblical, it's not sustainable. Okay, God has called all of us. He's gifted all of us. He's appointed all of us. Every single one of us in this room has a ministry. It may look like different to this right now. It may look like being in the education sector, the political sector. We desperately need people in the political sector right now. Uh, it may look like people, a stay-at-home mum, and that's your calling right now. And that's the anointing or a stay-at-home dad. Whatever it is that God's called you to, that's your ministry. Whether it's to the marketplace or to the pulpit, that's your ministry. And so if God's appointed you there, He's going to anoint you for that. And so God's called all of us to know what our spiritual gifts are and to activate those gifts for ministry. Now, ignorance of your gift leads to impotence in your ministry. Paul said it like this in verse 1, I do not want you to be ignorant or uninformed. Now, several years ago, um, we as a family went down uh, to Phillip Island for a few days holiday. I just bought 
a new car, a European car. And when I brought the car out of the dealership, the dealer said to me, have you ever driven one of these? Have you ever owned one of these? I said, no. He said, well, whatever you do, whatever mechanical problems, don't try and resolve it yourself. Call an expert. Famous last words, right? So we're on this holiday and a few months later and I noticed the oil gauge was uh, coming up on the dashboard and so I'm like, hey, I've, you know, I'm a man for goodness sake. I know what to do with cars. I've done it. I've had no problems in the past. And so we pull up at the uh, service station and I open the bonnet and I look at the engine and I don't know which way's up, which way's left, which way's right, but I'm like, we're going to work this out. Lord, I need a word of knowledge right now. What are we going to do? And the kids are in the back and I'm like, kids, teaching moment. Dad's going to teach you some things, practical things about mechanics of a car, right? And so I go buy the oil and I'm, I open the cap and I'm pouring this in and and then I, you know, this is what you do, kids. And this is how you check the oil gauge and everything like that, right? And I noticed initially nothing had changed with the oil gauge. Well, that's okay. It's a European car. It'll work itself out. So I, I got up there. We jump in the car. Simone takes me to the gym. I do my workout. She goes and packs the house. I'm a smart man. Jim, she's in the house, right? And she's getting packing all the stuff, right? And so she, she comes back. And now the, she's got the bonnet open. And I go to the car park. And I'm like, what are you doing? What's wrong? Um, she goes, um, you poured the oil in, in, in the wrong uh, section, in the wrong part of the car. You actually poured it into the radiator <laughs> in the car. My wife was telling me what to do with the European car, right? And I'm like, no, that cannot be. I, I mean, I, I saw it. I checked. I double checked. Well, she said you should have triple checked because you got it wrong. And so we had major mechanical issues for a little while there. Why? Because my ignorance of the engine of a mechanical car that my wife could work out in a heartbeat led me to misuse and abuse the car as it was designed. Corinthians were misusing the gifts out of ignorance and brokenness. And whatever you are ignorant of, you will tend to abuse. People in marriages all the time are ignorant of how marriage relationships work and they end up abusing each other. People in church life are ignorant of what a healthy church looks like and it ends up abusing relationships in church life causing all measure of toxicity and brokenness. And what we don't often understand, what we're ignorant of, we become afraid of. And we tend to hide away or we abuse or we create weird doctrines like cessationism that says, you know, all the gifts of the Spirit died out in the first century. And apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors, teachers are no longer really given to the church. We're okay with evangelists, pastors and teachers. We can stomach that. But apostles and prophets, we're not really sure what to do with those ooky spooky gifts. And so we sort of, sort of become professional explainers of why there is an absence of miracles and signs and wonders in the church. And we end up almost this pendulum swing reaction to the things of the Spirit, the helper the wonderful counsellor, the one who was sent on our behalf to help us and empower us, to sanctify us, to guide us into all truth, to point us to the person of Jesus. Because we're simply ignorant. We don't understand. We've never been taught. Listen, the problem isn't spiritual gifts. It's a lack of maturity and understanding how spiritual gifts work in the life of the church. 
And I say to people all the time, the answer to misuse isn't non-use, it's the proper use. Because what a lot of churches do when they don't understand gifts like prophecy, words of knowledge, discernment of spirits, deliverance ministry, they tend to shove it under the carpet or put it in that weird connect group, that weird life group (laughs) where it's all the crazies, the super spiros. So let's just shove it, duck shove it there in the corner and sort of just, you know, you stay over there, but all the rest of us who are sane will come over here. That's not how God intended for the gifts of the Spirit to work in the life of the church. What we've got to do is we've got to teach in a healthy way, not just what the Bible teaches, but then we've got to uh, not just teach, but we've got to model. And we've got to create safe atmospheres and environments for people to step out in faith in the gifts of the Spirit and actually make mistakes. And not beat people up and not say, well, you got that prophecy wrong, so we're going to practice the old covenant, take you out the back and stone you because you just messed it up. Right? Aren't you glad we're not under the old covenant anymore? Because I would have been stoned a long time ago. But I praise God that I've had people in my world that discipled me, that loved me enough, that taught me, took the time to believe in me and actually helped me to grow in my understanding of how to move in the gifts of the Spirit so that I could in turn as a spiritual father of a house create safe environments for people to grow in their understanding of the Spirit and for the gifts of the Spirit to actually break out. Everyone who has been born of the Spirit has been given gifts of the Spirit. You've just got to understand the mechanics of your gift. What you don't understand, you can't help anybody else grow in. And it isn't just about you operating in your gift. It's actually about us empowering each other and exhorting each other to be the people of God and to grow in our understanding and revelation of how we move in the gifts. Now, when we talk about the difference between gifts and talents, gift is a supernatural ability that's given at the time of spiritual birth. When we talk about talents, we're talking about a natural ability that's given at natural birth. Now, the Spirit of God can come upon natural abilities, but it's still essentially not a spiritual gift. Okay, Spiritual gifts are given at the time of spiritual birth. And when we come into a, a, an experience of the Holy Spirit, a baptism of the Spirit, the fullness of the Spirit, we see this marked increase, even in the, the Acts of the Apostles in the early church, this uh, fl- fla- fanning into flame, the gift of the Holy Spirit, this awakening of the gift of the Holy Spirit that empowers us to be a witness, an effective witness in the world around us. And the gifts of the Spirit are not just meant for ministry in the four walls of the church. This is actually just a building. We are the church. You're the church wherever you go. You take the Holy Spirit with you wherever you go because your body is the temple now of the Holy Spirit. You're a vessel. You're a carrier of the presence of God. So wherever you go, whatever job you have, university campus you're on, you take the Holy Spirit and your gifts with you. And those gifts and abilities are not just meant to function to serve the body in the four walls, but it's meant to actually be the church as a witness in the world. Now, the Apostle Paul goes through and begins to unpack and teach us various aspects about gifts of the Spirit. One of the key things is that the gifts of the Spirit are diverse in operation. 
And so what Paul does in verse 4, he, he basically draws parallels between the diversity of the gifts and diversity in the Godhead. Just as there is a Trinitarian nature in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Just as there is diversity within the unity of the Godhead, so too there is diversity in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And God intended the, the, the diversity of your gift to actually work most effectively when in unity with the rest of the body. The enemy has sold uh, much of the world uh, a lie, or should I say much of the church a lie, particularly in a Western context, that has convinced a lot of believers to think that they can follow Jesus on their own terms and in isolation of the rest of the body. That, that's not how New Testament Christianity works. You, you can't just claim to be your own authority and source of revelation for how you live your life. In fact, in the early church, theology or the formation, spiritual formation wasn't done in isolation. It was done in unity. Okay, and one of the incredible gifts that the church can offer the world is a sense of family. It's a place of unity. It's community. It's being a part of something beyond the individualization of our world. Our world sort of encourages this sense of isolation and independence and we sort of think, well, if it's just, you know, me and God and no, I don't need anyone else. And it's just not true. Even Adam, Adam walked in the, the perfection of intimacy with our Heavenly Father. And yet still he noticed and God saw that something was missing in Adam's life. And so he made Eve. So not everything, all right, that, 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 that you need in your life, you're simply going to find um, so much of eternal life and everything you need is in God. But there are things that you can only get in community. I've discovered that at times I can hear easily God's heart and will for somebody else, but actually struggle to hear God's heart and will for me. And there's a reason for that because God actually wants me to be dependent upon other brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Because otherwise, I'm just walking around in isolation, independence, thinking I've got the market share on God's will and revelation, when in fact, yes, I have the Word of God, but I need the people of God. And so when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, they're diverse in operation, yes, and we celebrate the diversity of that, but also we need to understand it's only as the gifts come together in unity that the church can be empowered to be an effective witness in the world. Okay, so we practice interdependence. Healthy families are not independent of each other. Healthy families practice interdependence. We celebrate and we honor the diversity of graces and gifts. But we actually come together in interdependence and we recognize that together we are better. Just as different parts of a car can only work effectively when it's connected in unity, so too it is with the gifts of the Spirit in the church. And so that's why comparing your gift to somebody else's is a pointless exercise. You, you, you make a perfect original but a bad imitation. Okay, and so we're not to compete with each other around our graces and gift, giftings. We're to actually complement each other in our graces and giftings. If you're not on the altar of living sacrifice 
and you see someone moving in spiritual power and anointing and great grace, the temptation in your flesh will be there to become jealous and insecure. But if you are on the altar, present your bodies as living sacrifices, uh, as the Apostle Paul calls us and urges us to, and you're on that altar of sacrifice, when you see somebody else uh, moving and ministering in great grace and spiritual power, it actually becomes an inspiration for you to draw closer to the heart of God and for you to actually grow in the grace and gifting upon your life. The Corinthians actually found themselves in a place where they were wearing their gifts as almost like a badge of superiority. They were not motivated by love. They were thinking that because they had revelation around certain gifts or, or they could speak in tongues more than the other person, that somehow they were more spiritual. And what happens is when you make your gift about you, what happens is you actually start to start to work in the flesh and become competitive and your gift is actually undermined from its ability and capacity to help build the body and contribute what God is calling you to do. And so the gifts of the Spirit are not only diverse in operation, but the gifts of the Spirit are singular in origin. The Bible says in verse 6, there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Now, the Greek word here for gifts or spiritual is pneumatikos. It means as a tire is filled with air, so a spiritual gift is filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, when it's your birthday or coming up to Christmas time, people will celebrate you on your birthday or at Christmas by choosing a gift and giving it to you. That gift is external to themselves but they choose that and pick that and purchase that for you as part of their honor their love and they're wanting to show their care and appreciation for you but when God gives you a spiritual gift he's not giving you something external to himself he gives you himself and he just so happens to express himself through your prophetic gift or your teaching gift I'm teaching right now, but my teaching gift isn't separate to the manifestation of the Spirit through my life. It's the Spirit that is manifesting through teaching right now to edify you, to build you up, to renew your mind, to draw you closer to the heart of God. So too with all of the other gifts, okay, whether it's word of knowledge, healing gift. And what your gift is, it's a revelation of God to the world. When your gift is in operation, it's like God is showing himself off to the world. And he's saying, this is who I am. I love you. And when that gift is motivated by love, it can be most effective in people's lives. So we are not to hide our gifts. We're not to be infants or immature in our understanding of the gifts, but we are to grow in the things of the Spirit. We're to grow in our understanding of the gifts. Why? Because your gift is a witness to the world of who Jesus is and what the power of the Spirit is in your life. And what the Spirit manifests in me must edify others through me. What did Paul say in verse 7? He said, The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. This is where signs and wonders come in. Signs and wonders announce to the world that God is real. 
a powerless gospel presents to the world an inferior view of who Jesus is. Everybody who was sick who came to Jesus got healed. Whole towns and villages would line up at the door. And yet we as believers and often in church life will tolerate months, years of no signs and wonders and miracles and be like, that's normal. No, it's not normal. Jesus said these signs will accompany those who believe. The gospel, when it's proclaimed, is proclaimed with power. When Jesus sent out the disciples before they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, proclaim this gospel of the kingdom, heal the sick, cast out devils. I'm sending you out like sheep amongst wolves. How on earth are we going to survive amongst wolves if we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit? And for too long, the modern church, the Western church, has tolerated a powerless gospel and we wonder why we're not getting the job done in this hour. I'm telling you, the world right now is in total transition, total turbulence, total chaos. And as darkness covers the earth, I'm telling you, the church is supposed to shine brighter, supposed to be more light, supposed to be more hope, supposed to be more glory. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus did not say your kingdom go and you will be done in heaven as in heaven. The church is trying to get out of here because the whole world's gone pear-shaped. God's trying to get in to here. Your kingdom come. The rule and reign of God come. And so we've got to contend for the fullness of that gospel of the kingdom. We've got to contend for a supernatural signs and wonders gospel. And just because it's not your church experience, maybe from a background you've come from, doesn't mean that it isn't available. If it's still on the menu, you can still order it. Ever been to a restaurant where you want to order something? They say, nah, we've run out of that. We're sold out of that. And then you ask them, you know, three or four items. Nah, we don't have that either. Will you tell me what I can eat? Because apparently it's on the menu. I want to tell you today, miracles are still on the menu. Signs and wonders are still available today. The day of miracles is not over. We see it all the time. But what often happens is we sort of pull God down to our lack Rather than understanding if there is any lack in our lives, it's not on God's end, it's on ours. When the disciples couldn't cast the demon out of the boy, they didn't go to Jesus and say, why couldn't you cast the demon out of the boy? I mean, what's wrong with you, Jesus? Don't you still heal today? (laughs) Is it okay if I preach truth right now? It's tight, but it's right. It's what I tell my church, right? No, the disciples went to the green room after the conference and said, Jesus... How come we couldn't cast the demon out of the boy? They took ownership and responsibility. And Jesus said, oh, this kind of problem, this kind of demon can only come out through prayer and fasting. Some translations say prayer, which means as, as much as they were praying, they may have needed a little bit more oil. And, and, and as much as they, then other translations say, or other gospels say prayer and fasting. Sometimes it requires a posture of sacrifice for you to break through into the things of the Spirit. Our team of 80 staff right now have been praying up to seven hours a day. Over the last 12 weeks, seeking God, an hour in prayer, an hour in the Word. Let me tell you, you spend seven hours a day in the presence of God, something's going to shift. Because when, when I, I was saying to the team over lunch today, 
words are good, but Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, I did not come to you with words of eloquence and words of wisdom, but I came to you in a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. For too long, we as preachers, pastors and leaders have been content for people to revel in our wisdom. But your wisdom is not going to cast a demon out. Your wisdom is not going to deal with a demonic stronghold in someone's life. Your wisdom is not necessarily going to heal the sick, raise the dead. But we're seeing blind eyes open and deaf ears open. Why? Because the foolishness of, or or, or, or the, the, the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. And what is foolish to the world is actually God's wisdom. And so we've got to understand that when God graces us with the anointing, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our life, and what the Spirit manifests through us must be about edifying others through us. It's interesting, there are two seas in Israel. One is the Galilee Sea, the Sea of Galilee, which has an outlet. The other is the Dead Sea, which has no outlet. The Dead Sea cannot support life. There's nothing living in the Dead Sea. Hence, it's called the Dead Sea. Fresh water flows in from the Jordan River to the Dead Sea, but nothing flows out. Without an outlet, salt concentration increases as much as eight times of that of ocean water. Nothing can live without an outlet. I mean, even the way God, I know it's a difficult imagery, but the way that God designed your body, you need an outlet (laughs) because your body will get toxic, unhealthy. Every church needs an outlet. Churches that only ever experience the manifestation of the Spirit in the four walls, but there's no expression of the Spirit outside of the four walls, often become toxic and unhealthy. That's why I say to people, an impression of the Spirit without an expression of the Spirit will leave a depression in your spirit. And lots of believers are discontent with God, with church, and they're depressed in their spirit. And it's not because there's something wrong with the Word or something wrong with God. They're simply not expressing what God's impressing upon their heart. Let me tell you, if you're growing in God and you're growing in the Word, find somebody to disciple, sit down at a cafe and pass on what God has shown to you. You say, well, I'm not a leader, I'm not a pastor, how do I do that? But you're a believer with the Spirit of God in you. All you need to do is stay one chapter ahead and just say, hey, let's read through the Gospel of John. And you just read two chapters and get them to read one. And say, hey, let's go to the cafe. Let's have the latte, the nectar of heaven. And let's sit down and let me disciple you how to be like Jesus. What God manifests in you must edify others through you. God has created us to be conduits, not containers. A river flows, a dam contains. What did Jesus say? Out of your spirit, if you believe in me, shall flow rivers of living water. Plural, not just one multiple expressions of the Spirit of God. See, I really believe that if God can get it through you, God can get it to you. A lot of people are worried about God getting stuff to them. But your gift isn't for personal admiration, it's for corporate edification. The gift is not actually about you. And I tell all of our team and staff, the the moment you stop thinking about you when you preach, now you're doing ministry. The, the, the moment you're leading worship and you're not worried about how you're performing, 
How is this being received? But you're actually leading people into the presence of God. You're now doing ministry. I tell all of our preachers, you know what? You've got to get to a point where it's not about how you're doing. I stopped asking Simone many years ago, how did I do today? How did I preach today? One, even though my wife's encouraging, I never got the affirmation that I was seeking for. Because my wife is a very encouraging person, but can be understated. And and so I'm a words of affirmation person. So if I thought it was awesome, she'd say, yeah, okay, not bad. Um, Or maybe it wasn't so good. She'd be like, yeah, interesting. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Interesting. Okay, not too good then, right? But you know why I stopped asking that question? Because it's not about how you did or how you performed. Here's the real question. Was anybody helped? Did anybody get served? Because when you make your gift and your ministry in your life about others and not about you, not only are you being the hands and feet of Christ, the mouthpiece of heaven, but you're now doing ministry. We've got to worry less about who's recognizing our gift and focus more on who's receiving the gift. What did Peter say? As each has received a gift, 1 Peter 4.10, use it to serve one another as stewards of God's varied grace. And what the Spirit gives sovereignly, we have got to pursue earnestly. Verse 11 of this passage, the Bible says, not only all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, yes, who apportions to each one individually as He wills, But verse 31 says, earnestly desire the higher gifts. It's talking about those gifts that are most effective in helping build up others and build up the body. It's also talking about the gift that is needed most right now in this situation. The higher gifts, the gifts that build. And so gifts, yes, are freely given. They're not a reward for good behavior. Some believers think if I'm just really on my good behavior, I'm a goody two-shoes Christian, I'll get more power. That's not how it works. Power is not the market share of really holy people. We are not to be holy because of what we can get from God. Peter said in 1 Peter, be holy as I'm holy. I want to be holy because I want to be like Jesus and I love His heart. I'm not trying to be, I don't want to be holy to try and get something from Him. That's a works mentality that says, if I do this and do this, I'll get that. And if you approach God in that way, you still see Him as a judge, not as a father. But Jesus said, if you then being evil, sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give you good things? Give the Holy Spirit, which is the best gift to those who ask Him. So one of the most important things we've got to come into is a revelation of the Father heart of God. And know that as we behold Him, we become more like Him. And as He's called us to be holy, we're going to be holy to honour Him because we love Him and we delight in Him. But I'm not going to be holy because I think that somehow I'm going to get more power in my life. No, the power of God, the gifts of the Spirit is accessed by sovereign grace and your faith. 
and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And when God's grace and your faith and your hunger for the things of the Spirit collide together, there's an explosion of power in your life where you begin to see a demonstration of signs and wonders of the kingdom break out in your life. And so we are to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. We're to grow in them. But we are to hunger for intimacy with the presence of God. Recently, I was uh, preaching with our staff about presence and power and how Jesus said, many will come in that day and sort, say, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out devils in your name? Did we not do mighty works in your name? And Jesus said, depart from me, for I never knew you. Which says, just because you move in power doesn't mean you know who Jesus is. I'm going to say it's a scary verse. How'd you like to spend your whole life under this false illusion that because you move in spiritual gifts and move in power, that you're known by God and yet you don't know Him at all? And so one of the most important things as we grow, which I really believe this house, this church is going to grow in the things of the Spirit at an accelerated rate. And I'm believing for a work of renewal and revival to break out in such a powerful way. We also need to remember to not chase the gift, but chase the giver. Chase the giver. And then as you draw close to the giver, say, God, I actually... This person that's been perpetually sick, I actually want this grace. I have faith, but I actually want that gift and grace to minister healing into their life. And where does that come from? It comes from a heart of compassion, a heart to serve, a heart to love, not, hey, look at me and my gift. So I want to invite you to stand today and I want to pray for some people and just actually... Paul said in Romans 1, For I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to you. And I'm going to pray uh, for people in this room today who are hungry to actually have the gifts of the Spirit activated in their life. Maybe, maybe you're here tonight and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You've never experienced the fullness of the Spirit of God in your life. You made a decision to follow Jesus, awesome, but you've never come into an encounter with Jesus where the gifts of the Spirit have been activated in your life. You know what? Here tonight, right now in this room, that can all change. This morning, as we talked about preparing for revival, uh, people were hungry to encounter God. It was so beautiful. But once there's that hunger, that appetite, that honor for how God moves, we now need to teach people, instruct people, which I know Pastor Ben and the team does. How do we actually understand and grow with the gifts of the Spirit and how we move in this? But I believe tonight there's going to be a powerful impartation. If you're here, you say, God, I'm so hungry for this. I'm hungry for more of your Spirit. I'm hungry for the gifts of the Spirit. We want to pray with you. So why don't you just get out from where you are right now and just come stand out the front and say, Lord, here I am. I'm hungry. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.